lost or saved, they find their way at the sound of your great name. And all condemned, they feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every has no place at the sound of your great Take a second here to introduce Pastor Derek Robertson. 
Pastor Derek Robertson, I'm not going to steal his thunder. He can tell you what he wants to tell you about himself and his family, but they're good clothes. They, they actually preached the second, uh, was it the second or the third Godspeed Jubilee? Yeah, that was before children and all that, wasn't it? So Derek preached one of the Godspeed Jubilees, and uh, I, I think looking back at it, it was probably the best Godspeed we had. I mean, people were people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and lives was changing. We're excited to have him here. He's a dear friend of of Lana and I's. Um, he's a credentialed ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. Has a beautiful family. They couldn't be here today because he they have a new baby. But um, without further ado, let's give it up for Pastor Derek Robertson. <laughs> Well, can we stand to our feet just for a moment, if you don't mind? I don't mean to make you get up and down, up and down. But I do feel that I'm here on an assignment this morning, not to have another service. I just feel that the Lord, <clears throat> that his love is rushed into this room. And that when you leave this place this morning, no matter how long you've been in the faith or how long you haven't been, that you feel loved, that you feel cherished, that you feel valued, and that you also have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and is quickening your mortal body, <clears throat> and that you have purpose. And when you read the Bible, it's not just ink on a page like reading a newspaper. It's living, it's active, it's cutting things inside of you that needs to be cut out, and it's infecting you with something that you desire and need to be infected with so can you just for a moment lift your hands up to the heavens father we thank you in this moment that heaven has bent an ear that you have decided to be in our midst god i pray that everything that can be shaken this morning be shaken until there's nothing left inside of us but the kingdom god the principles of the kingdom the power of the kingdom the dominion of the kingdom the purpose of the kingdom the love of the kingdom the talk of the kingdom god i pray that you would give us wisdom god i pray that you would give us love that covers a multitude of sins and God, I pray that when we leave this place, that we would be persuaded. Lord, that we will stand in the highways and the byways and sing and preach and God see people with the glory and the lens of the kingdom. God, I pray that the same power and the same tenacity that we feel because we know it's more than a feeling that we feel in this church this morning. We take it to Neyland Stadium. We take it to Walmart. We take it to the bank. We take it to the fields, God. We take it wherever the kingdom of God is welcome. We take it, Lord. We love you so incredibly much. Give us wisdom beyond our understanding this morning. We're not looking for a service morning, this morning, Lord. We have no agenda. Our agenda is you. You come and we are open to interruptions. 
You come and you do only what you can do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen. Good deal. Can y'all hear me? Are y'all good? I don't want to spit on the mic, COVID and all that kind of stuff. I know we're kind of, I know our church is kind of finicky about that, but I just feel, uh, thank you for the warm welcome uh, this morning. Like I said, I, I'm not really here to talk about me. There's really nothing <clears throat> of importance to, uh, that the reason that I'm here other than to give you the gospel this morning. And, uh, but like I said, I do, uh, I do take uh, this very seriously, my calling very seriously, but I do, uh, I want to give thanks if my wife is going to be watching by live stream later on, I'm sure she will, that I want to thank her uh, for allowing me to be here uh, this morning and go to the Tennessee Vols game. Well, it was, it was a game, but it didn't go our way. And uh, so anyway, man, we just, um, but I believe that the same power that is in this place this morning is also um, uh, welcome at Neyland Stadium. Because I'm telling you, I, we, we, me and Houston, we walked around the entire campus and we saw a lot of people. We felt a lot of people that needed Jesus. And I'm telling you this morning, man, that when, if you ever go to ball games or wherever, wherever the Lord has sent you uh, to share and leverage the gospel, to share it with power and to share it with authenticity, but also sharing it knowing that you are loved man because if we're not sharing the gospel out of love and we're sharing it out of the spirit of condemnation we're not sharing the gospel of jesus christ we're sharing the gospel of some theology that we've picked up along the way off of google and uh, we got way too many people that are using that instead of the word of god and like you said brother finding the answers to our prayers and finding out what we need to do right here not google.com so anyway i just wanted to throw that in there uh, I, I want to say this, though, I do, um, I've come to find out that uh, during this pandemic, um, when you're in the Lord's presence for, like we are this morning, for extended periods of time, the molecular composition of your soul begins to get restructured. And what I mean by that is you start to have different passions. You start to have different interests. And you don't even know why, or at least that's been the case for me. Like, God is changing you on the, in, on the inside in ways that you can't even, Houston, cognitively analyze. Like, I don't, have, uh, I don't have a tagline to touch to this sentence. I don't really have something that I can relate this to because the feelings that he's placed inside of me during this pandemic. I'm not here to talk about the pandemic. I'm here to talk about the intimacy that I've had with the Lord inside of the pandemic itself. And I've never felt like this before. It's, it's been a new chapter. It's been a new intimacy. And all you know is that the sinful affections that once pulled at your soul is no longer a threat to you. Me and Houston walked around Neyland Stadium and the campus of Tennessee. And there were a lot of things that we passed by that we used to do. A lot of people that we used to look at. But there was not a threat inside of us that said, you know what? Your eyes are turning to a different direction other than the Spirit of Christ. That did not happen. Me and Houston, we kept one another accountable. And we said, man, bless them. But the, and I'm telling you, there's just some kind of power that's inside of you 
that the things that you used to deal with pre-pandemic, that if you took the Lord serious during the pandemic, that you took the intimacy that he desires to leverage your way seriously in, inside this pandemic, the things that used to dog your heels... They don't dog your heels anymore. The things that you used to fear about your children, they're no longer fearful anymore towards you and your family. It's a place where the great showdown took place where he allowed you to come in and he allowed the thing that threatened your life. He allowed the sin that had been plaguing your life. He allowed the fear that had been plaguing your life for you and that thing to walk through the double doors. And he shut the doors. He sealed the lock. And he said, there's only one of these things that are going to come out of here alive. And I can promise you, it's my child. Fear, you got to die. Sin, you got to die. I'm talking about other affections of lesser lovers, you got to die. That's the things that I've been feeling in some degree in this pandemic. I wanted to tell Houston yesterday, but we just got sidetracked with the score of the ball game. And anyway, things happen. Um, man, I feel the Lord in this place. Jesus. And here, here's the thing. Some people say, you know, Pastor Houston, Pastor Derek, like, what, what's, <laughs> Gary, what is the, what's the secret? You really want to know what the secret to this thing is. Large chunks of time spent in the presence of the Lord. Not just in church, but when you're driving down the road and the glory of God fills the car so much that it's like the windows fog over. You can't see. You got to pull over. You got to get out. You got to do a little praise dance. You got to walk the walls of Jericho until them things fall down because you know he's placed something inside of you that you've he put something inside of you to go into the walls of Jericho and rescue somebody that needs to be rescued just like the children of Israel walked across or walked around the walls of Jericho and went to rescue a harlot that needed to be rescued. And it's things like that that, that I think about and that I desire not only in a church setting because I'll just be honest with you, it's, it's easy. Anybody can whirl a mic around and do what we do a few times, but like what Houston said earlier about when the gates of hell are knocking at your door, and it involves your kid, your son, your daughter, this is the one thing that I want my family to see. Daddy Burns. We don't know why he speaks funny at the dinner table, but we know this. Whatever that language is, it's real and it's authentic. And I don't know of anything else that I want. I didn't have a drug problem. I'm sick of that statement of back in the day I had a drug problem. I had to be drugged to church. I say no to that to my kids. My kids are going to beat me to the doors of the church. They're not going to have to be drugged. Why? Because they're going to see something that is real. They're not going to see a song. They're not going to see a sermon. They're going to see daddy and mama. They got in contact and touch with this man named Jesus that... Shh, 
that the more times that mom and dad have spent in the presence of the Lord, it seems like the greater their tolerance for the radiancy, for more of the radiancy and more of the glory that I see on my parents because the more time they spend in his presence, the more you're going to be able to tolerate his radiance and tolerate his glory because if you don't, it might just kill you. you some things in his presence, if you're not ready, you can't handle. And I want my kids to see that. Well, mine and my wife and my prayer this morning, that's not the sermon, that's, you know, but that's what I pray for you. Mom, dad, grandmama, granddaddy, brothers and sisters, that's, that's it. If it's not that, then what are we doing? I mean, like, if it's not that, Houston, then what are we preaching? I'm, I'm scared to death to preach of anything other than that. So if you got your Bibles this morning, <laughs> lo and behold, we are going to be in the book of Acts. I'm terrible with titles of sermons, um, but the title of the sermon today is going to be Waiting Tables. Waiting Tables. If you're watching by live stream, we love you. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that the same power that... Um, that we feel here this morning, we pray that you feel it in your living room, your car, however you're watching via social media. We pray that you feel the love of God and his power made manifest on your behalf. So Acts chapter 6, let's start in verse 1. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you this morning because that's very important. Amen. You don't need my advice. You need scripture. So Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, Hellenists, toward the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food line. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples and they said it would be right for us to abandon our responsibility or it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and the teaching of the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So, friends, choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts, men full, everybody say full, full of the Holy Spirit and good sense and we'll assign them this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned task of prayer and speaking God's word. The congregation thought that this was a great idea. They went ahead and chose Stephen, a man full, a say full, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Let's jump down to verse 8. Stephen brimming with God's grace and energy was doing wonderful things among the people, unmistakable signs that God was among them. They could not deny it. But then some men from the meeting place whose membership was made up of freed slaves, Cyrenians, Anxeladrians, Alexandrians, and some, other, uh, some of the others from Sicilia and Asia, went up against him trying to argue... They're trying to argue him down. But they were no match for his wisdom and his spirit when he spoke. Acts chapter 7, 
54 through 60. Next page over, a few verses down. <clears throat> the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Sounds like a lot of church people sometimes, right? And even preachers. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into the heavens and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus, very important, standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, la, 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 la. That's right, buddy. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, later Paul, you know. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed a very specific prayer, but it's also a very telling prayer and a prayer that I've heard once before in the Bible. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, this is very familiar, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is infallible. God, I pray that every word that is spoken this morning would be undiluted. God, that everything that you have called me to speak, whether off the cuff or verbatim this morning, that your spirit would guide me, move me out of the way as your servant, but more importantly, as your son. And may your kingdom come among these people this morning as it is in heaven. And we are going to be careful to give you the admonition, the adoration, the, all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And all of his sons and daughters said, amen. Now, I want to say something and I just want you to hang in here with me for a moment, okay, please. <clears throat> There's a major problem with the record of Pentecost. I have a problem with it. I really do. Because the dilemma is that when you read through the book of Acts, if you're not careful, it's like reading the chronicles of superheroes and extraordinary people being used by God to do the seemingly impossible. I mean, Peter preaches at the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people are converted. I mean, come on. Uh, the disciples, they're healing so many people that they have to bring the sick and the diseased out into the streets. And they're like, if, my, if your shadow can just fall on my sickness, if your shadow can just get a glimpse on my leg, if it can just feel your shadow, I will be instantaneously healed. And they were. Philip teleports after preaching the gospel. Paul threatens the entire socioeconomic stability of a city. He raises a dead kid to life. He survives a stoning. He survives a shipwreck. He goes to Rome and he appears before Caesar. And he witnesses as powerful as anybody could ever witness. 
And so as you read the book of Acts, you have the tendency or you could have the tendency to be taken aback a little bit and actually come to the conclusion that even with the Holy Spirit, I really don't see me in the narrative. I'm just a country boy from Buffalo Valley. I'm just somebody teaching Sunday school. I'm just somebody working at the bank. I'm just somebody, I don't know whatever it is that we do or that you do, but I, I just don't see me in this. And then if we're not careful, we begin to settle for something that God never intended us to settle for. Because I fully believe this, and you can call this a prophetic moment if you want, but I'm not a prophet. But I do want to say this. I believe that in the week, the days, and the weeks, and the months, and the years to come, but I do feel in 2021, this is going to become a church that is more conducive than ever to see the lame, the walk, the blind, to see people set free from the inside that when they come in, they wouldn't dare tell you outside of the church. They wouldn't dare tell you inside of the church saying, I've got an issue. I've got a sexual problem. I've got a drug problem. I've got homosexuality tendencies. I've got lesbianism tendencies inside of my body. And I know I don't really desire it, but it's there. That thing. And they're going to walk in where the great showdown is going to take place. And it ain't going to be you, it ain't going to be a song, it ain't going to be a sermon. It is going to be the Spirit of God that is so conducive that they white-knuckle a pew and they can't white-knuckle it anymore. And this why? Because resistance is actually an invitation and it's a good thing if you look at that word correctly. Because if you're resisting something, then obviously there's something on the other side of that resistance that's pulling you. And they're going to be pulled to an altar. And they're going to get saved. And they're going to get discipled. And they're going to get ministered to. And you're, not, you're going to see them in a ditch. And you're not going to throw a rope down and say, hey, grab onto the rope. I'll pull you out. No, you're going to get down in the ditch with them and say, I don't know how you ended up in this hell. But I'm telling you right now that you're not by yourself. Because why? Because I've got a promise in his word that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And sometimes you don't feel it. But the faith that I have is not based on a feeling. The faith that I have is based on the substance of his law. It's based on the substance of his love. And his love has covered a multitude of sins. And when I look into his eyes, everything that I desire, everything that I want, everything that I just could imagine is wrapped up in him. I promise you we're going to get out of this ditch one way or another. It's going to happen. This is going to be the church set on a hill, a lighthouse, a light that when people drive by this church, they feel the electricity of heaven. And when they come in, they feel the shock waves. They feel the currency. They feel something different. They don't feel, a ch- they don't feel a talent show. They don't feel a good sermon. They don't feel a program. They don't feel systems. They don't feel a concert. They feel Jesus. They feel Jesus. And they're going to stop that car. They're going to stop that minivan over here. Why? Because they can't resist it. Why? Because you're a church that can't resist him. That's it. Y'all receive that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is foreign and it's out of my reach. And these people 
God, they're not human. That's why they could do what they did in the book of Acts. You're wrong. They were misfits. They were very human. But right in the middle of all of the few studs that I just mentioned to you, who do you have? You got Stephen. And what is he doing? Waiting tables for widows. The Holy Spirit's power displayed in the account of Pentecost isn't just reserved for instances like raising the dead. And changing a city and, and all of that things and, and, and casting out demons. No. In Stephen's case, the power of the Holy Spirit is revealed in the lunch line at Baxter High School. It's revealed in the lunch line. After you just got about a 30-minute break from work to go get something to eat, and you don't know why you're going over here. You've never gone over here to eat before, but the Holy Spirit drawed you into this place, and all of a sudden, out of obedience that is greater than sacrifice, the glory and the power of God fell in that lunch line, and all of a sudden, you preached, and you didn't even use any words. Why? Because you didn't have a cute T-shirt and a cute bracelet that says, I love Jesus and WWJD. They saw the radiance and the shining, the brimming of God's glory inside of you. And they said, I don't even know who you are, and I don't give a flying flip who you are. I just know this. Who, whatever you know and whatever you desire, those things, I can see it. And I don't have the theological $100 words to tag to whatever it is that you claim to have, but I know you have. But whatever it is and whoever it is and why you're different, can I ask you a question? Is it for me too? And there's your answer. That's what's going to happen. That's what happened to Stephen. And in fact, the powerful news today is that Pentecost, the experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, can turn the lunch lady, or in this case, the lunch man, into a powerhouse potential for God's glory. Stephen's job, his role, his position of authority was serving tacos at Taco Tuesday at a Mexican restaurant. And even though that nobody was writing magazines on this brother, nobody was showing him on... I don't know, the Christian magazine and all these famous preachers and stuff. Nobody ever knew about this dude. And following him on Twitter and adding him on Snapchat and all that kind of mess. I told my daughter all the time, and she don't even know what I'm saying. But you get a Snapchat, I will snap your chat. I'm telling you right now. Anyway, so you just take that with you. But we know this, brimming with God's grace and energy was doing wonderful things among the people, unmistakable signs. I just want to remind you what the word says, that God was among them. Another version says it like this, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Because anywhere you preach the word of God, where there's faith accompanied to it, miracles, signs, and wonders will begin to take place. Stephen, through the Holy Spirit, is producing miracles in the lunch line, in fact, he is so powerful in the line that the local officials feel the need to shut him up. And so they bring up false charges and they make him defend himself in front of the high priest nonetheless. So what does the waiter have to say to the Jewish scholars and power brokers of his day? Well, he's got a lot to say. He ends up preaching the longest recorded sermon. That's not going to be the case this morning. Just chill out. But I can feel that this is a church where 
caution is thrown to the wind and nobody's got a time clock. I feel that this morning. He ends up preaching the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. Not Peter, not Paul, or any of the other disciples, but Stephen the waiter. He does so well in his preaching that they want to kill him. You ever preach so hard, preach your guts out, and people hated you for it, and they wanted to kill you? A tragic ending for Stephen, but by far his most significant moment. And that's because the ensuing persecution that comes from Stephen's sermon and death forces the church, if you read the story correctly, it forces the church after his sermon out of Judea and into Samaria. And eventually, when you read on in the Gentile territory, which was really back in those days a no-no. So in other words, this guy pushing tacos single-handedly starts a worldwide movement, and it all started with what? It all started with waiting tables and widows. I mean, come on. You do the math. This ain't hard. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. This is not hard at all. Out of that, I think there are several things, but just two things that I want to listen, that I want to list this morning that we have to answer. You don't have a choice. This morning, you may have thought you had a choice that I don't have to answer this question or not, but this morning, I just, all the stuff that I just gave you up to this moment, he has pushed you to a corner, and you have to answer this question. So you can't get away from it. First point that I have for you this morning is this. What starts as an insignificant assignment under the power of Pentecost often will lead to your most significant moment. And I, and, and I don't mean to catch you, but this is what I would like for you to do. Get your pen, get your phone, and you write this down. Because I'm not here preaching to you this morning just to look at that and say, man, that is a powerful point. I want you to grab this point, take it with you, because I've come to find out teenagers are not just the people that fall into this category. Five minutes after I preach this thing, what did he say? I can do it on the live stream, but write it down. And listen to it. I'm going to give you just a moment. What starts as an insignificant assignment. Take a picture of it. I don't care. Under the power of Pentecost. Live feed. Write it down. Often leads to your most significant moment. One man said it like this, God does not direct his children to do the unusual until they have shown faithfulness in the ordinary. This entire lunchroom account reveals the need for the fullness of the spirit, not just for the extraordinary, but also for the mundane Monday morning. One that you don't have a live band and you don't have a preacher throwing out a bunch of hundred dollar words to you and giving you that pep talk. Tomorrow morning, we're coming around the holidays where it's not really holly jolly for a whole lot of people because this is, most, some, this is some of the most hardest moments that they've ever faced in their entire life, specifically around the holidays, and they're going to turn to you for the answer. What do you have? They don't want a three-point sermon, I can promise you that. Never underestimate God's ability to use the small, seemingly insignificant assignments to set the stage up for a significant impact. Too many want to talk about the need for the Holy Spirit. Can I just address a few things? Lana and Houston, Mr. Gary, can I just, church, can I address a few things? 
And this is not just to get something off my shoulders. This is something that I've seen. I've been a youth pastor. That doesn't really matter. But for about eight years now, and I've seen this too much, that too many people want to talk about the need for the Holy Spirit at church and for great shaking exploits like mission trips and sickness and praying for people in the hospital and praying for people at the altars like we're going to do. But, and we end up only tapping the power in us for the important, and we forget the need for it in the mundane as well. We forget the need for it. If there's not lights and a microphone and somebody at the altar, we feel like we're not doing our job. We feel like there isn't anything left to do, and that's a lie. You need the Holy Spirit when you're taking a bath. You need the Holy Spirit when you're grabbing a drink of water. Why? Because you come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I'm telling you, that involves anything and everything that you do. But too many of us, we want to put up the tree before we ever carve the turkey. I'll just leave that alone right there, okay? So, here we go. <laughs> they don't, they, yeah. Oh, yeah. The need for the, to be full of the Holy Spirit has less to do. Listen with your assignments prominence and more to do with your opposition why because I don't know about you but I know about me we're being opposed every single day there is an enemy that hates you not just the devil but he's got demons running around this place looking for people to devour looking for playgrounds for somebody they'll just give him an inch so he can take a mile and you're being opposed daily he knows that if he can get you to underestimate your station in life, if he can get you to hate your assignment, belittle your assignment, despise your assignment, and perceive your assignment as a misplacement, you will underestimate your need for the power and believe that only the Pauls and only the Peters and only the Phillips and only the preachers and only the worship leaders, and they, they are the only ones that need the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, not me. I just work at the bank. Not me, I just drive a tractor. Not me, I just work at the co-op. Not me, I just work at the bank. Not me, I'm retired. You're wrong. And then you fail to allow the Holy Spirit to use you to install the alarm to make the snow cone, to take the customer service call to counsel a friend as in playing sports and raising your kids and mowing the yard and doing mechanic work and serving in the nursery and cleaning up the church when nobody else knows and but you do have a heart that you don't care if anybody knows you are having your time with the Lord but there's somebody that comes in and the pastor's not here you're just vacuuming and they're hooked on dope and they just need somebody that knows this man named Jesus and you put down your vacuum and you lay hands on them and instantly they say I feel different and I feel Jesus and I know I'm saved and then you take them through a discipleship process and then they come into a loving family like this church we begin to believe that since I'm not on the front line so apparently I don't need the Holy Spirit but I, I, I'll take them on Sunday I'll raise my hand because I've lived like hell for, I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying I've seen this and I've actually done this myself. I'm living like hell during the week, but Sundays, I got to put that hand up because I don't want nobody to have any, you know, no reservations. And I don't want to have anybody having, you know, views that, well, Pastor Gary didn't raise his hands this morning. Must be something wrong with him. Must be something. Yeah, but I pay my tithes every Sunday morning. 
Some people, hey, where, is that our youth over here? Listen. Before we dish an older generation, and I'm coming to that, and I'm only 34, but anyway, anyway, anyway. Before we dish, I tell my kids this all the time, an older generation, because they're not dancing and raising hands and running around like a Danny rooster with a chicken over the head cut off and all that kind of stuff. But when we look at an older generation and they don't worship like we worship, be careful to judge it. Because they may not be waving their hands, but I tell you what they do do. They wave a hand over a tithe check every Sunday morning. And that is the most significant and important worship that you could ever do. Because the moment we think that this is not about money, we've forgotten about it. I don't have time to preach on the money matters. But one day we will. So it's not just for exploits. My question to you is, when is the last time that you allowed the Holy Spirit to use you at work to do a great miracle at work? What tables are you waiting on right now? What insignificant assignments are assignments that they feel like they're beneath the destiny that God has for you? Just a few questions. I, that assignment can lead to the greatest moment if you will allow the Holy Spirit to invade the mundane. No lights, no cameras, no, that's good, brother. None of that. No applause. I'm not putting any of that down, but I've just come to the point in my life where, Brother Gary, that, that don't hit no more. I don't want to preach, and brother, that was a great, like, I, I don't care about people putting my name and tagging it on Facebook and saying, man, that brother preached a good, my, Michael, my, I, I don't care about that mess anymore. This is what I want. Check with me next Thursday. Are you doing okay, man? The words that I preached on Sunday, you remember? Are, are you doing them? And you have just as much right to ask me if I'm doing them, and I'm the one that preached it. Helping one another, keeping one another accountable, and connecting with one another, and staying connected other than just a Sunday morning. But doing the work of the ministry and helping people that need to know this man named Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, but every day throughout the week, that what hits me now. No lights, no camera, no applause, no notice. However, a lunch line moment can change history. How you handle the daily is your audition for how you're going to handle the lead role. And we don't see many Stevens because we have assigned the Holy Spirit only to great moments in revival services. And we've, we've really used that term revival very loosely here lately. Revival is not an it. Revival is a hymn that comes into our lives, not an it that comes to our meetings. And I'm to the point right now, brother, that I'm not praying for revival. And revival is coming. Revival is here. Revival is you. The prophecy of the dry bones, flesh and sinew making their way over those bones, that's revival. A church that is fully alive in a nation that's in recession, that's revival. Bedroom Bible College. That's it, right? We look for the Holy Spirit. This is the second point and the last point that I got for you is this right here. Y'all okay? Y'all good? All right. 
We look for the Holy Spirit in service, but he looks for us in service too. I don't, I think it's not only apparent and understandable that we all want to find the Holy Spirit in service. And I don't want to go to a service where that isn't marked by the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm telling you, I've preached at a lot of churches. I've preached at a lot of revival services. I'm not telling you all that. Y'all know my heart. I've preached at a lot of places where the power of God stayed out of the sanctuary and the Holy Spirit and the power of God had to remain in the foyer because they've never experienced anything like this before. And as soon as your eye sees what eyes never seen and your ear begins to hear what ears never heard, people begin to get offended. They say, well, show me that word that's in the Bible. There's things that are happening in the world today that is not even recorded in the Bible, but I'm telling you the power of God is all over it. Now, I'm not talking about Toronto blessing mess where people are jumping off churches and trying to act like eagles and flying around and getting on their hands and knees and barking like dogs. I ain't talking like that. Kundalini movement. Check it out. It's crazy. It's weird stuff, but don't get involved in it. In other words, what I believe the Holy Spirit does is he empowers those who are helping others. He empowers those that are serving people. He empowers those in the trenches on the front lines of attempting to make a difference in somebody's life. Most of us, we don't do signs in the lunch line because we're there to be served rather than to serve. We're looking for somebody to give us a word. This is what my preacher says. He says, one day I'm going to come up off of this pulpit and I'm going to put this mic down. And before I know he's equipped us, but listen, these pastors, these leaders in the room, they equip you to do the work of the ministry, not them. So here's my thing. My pastor, Pastor Ronnie Sanders, and if he's going to be watching by live stream later on, Pastor Ronnie, Sister Monica, thank you all for allowing me to be with this church family that is my second church family. Love you guys. Thank you. But um, I'm going to put this mic down and say, instead of me giving you a word, why don't you give me a word? Where have you been in your word? Don't, no, no, put your phone down. Don't Google it. Just, what's the Lord been telling you? You want me to tell you what the Lord has been telling Mr. Gary? He didn't even have to say anything. And it's beautiful. Why? Is that we got a young man that we love very dearly. I think a lot of him. We don't know why because he's connected to Houston. <laughs> nah, that. But we're going to cook and fried. We're going to cook uh, chicken. Put a little Coke on it. And barbecue chicken. Put a little Coke on it. I've never had that in my life. And they're going to be hospitable. They didn't know that I've had some things going on in my life that a sermon can't handle and a worship song can't handle, but just hospitality in and of itself. Just a simple smile that destroys hostility and depression in somebody's life. That's all they need. That's what the Lord had been telling them, apparently. Because when I walked into that house Friday night, I felt the power of God. And we were watching TWSAA football and eating barbecue chicken. 
but I felt the power of God, and we wasn't in the church. They were beating the church. Y'all with me this morning? I'm trying to make it as simple as I can, man. And you have something to say about that too. I know you do. So, service is the conduit through which the Holy Spirit and the power flows. There are multiplied accounts of this truth in Scripture. However, I just want to remind you two of them, then I'm going to put this mic down, and they're going to get up here and play, and we're just going to see where the Lord takes us. Is that okay? And I don't want to keep you in here just to keep you in here. But this, the boy in his lunch... His own hunger could have caused him to keep the meal to himself, talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And his own need could have caused him to become self-centered and self-focused. I'm so hungry. I ain't, all, I ain't ate all day, and this bologna sandwich really tastes good and a couple of pieces of fish. Man, however, he serves the needs of others, and power is released. The incredible miracle of multiplication only took place after the young boy stepped up in the lunch line and served his lunch to Jesus and said, whatever you want to do with it, do something with it. I, I can't do what you do. But he served it. Elisha reveals the same truth. Remember, he served who? He served Elijah. Not only did he serve Elijah, but he did it for decades. And in fact, after Elijah is off the scene, if you remember, the, the sons of the prophet, they tried to do what? They tried to degrade him and insult Elisha by saying this. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. They think that it's a slam by them saying that to him. A, dead, a, a, a degradation of his worth. They think his service disqualifies him from the supernatural. How is something just pouring water on somebody's hands? How is that powerful? What kind of service are you doing? What they fail to grasp is that his service is what certifies him to do the supernatural. A double portion of his spirit was released. Why? Because brother served. Many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are designated as this. And I know you're sick and tired of it, and I'm sick and tired of it too. Ministry gifts. Not good church service gifts, but service gifts. We don't need ministry service gifts until we are ministering in serving. No, I think one time is enough. I think they got it. When we only desire to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit for our own good, then the flow is restricted and perhaps even diminished. So my question to you is, you see a lot of people coming to the altar, altar, and, and the altars are always open here. They're definitely always open at our church and even on Wednesday nights in our youth services. But my question is, you come and you get in the trenches with them, and it seems like they're You've, you've probably prayed with them. It seems like they're dealing with the same thing they've been dealing with for days and days and days and years and years and years and decades and decades and decades at a time. And my question to you is how many power, how much power do you really got to have to do you? 
Because at some point, you're going to have to understand that your dysfunction has been over with for a long time. And he's given you the power that has raised the dead. He's given you the power that is quickening your mortal body. And you've received life and life more abundantly. And Jesus wasn't talking about heaven in that scripture. He was talking about life and life more abundantly on this side of eternity. Why? Because, brother, you got a shirt on. you got pants on. you got shoes on. You've got a beautiful wife. you got beautiful children over there. And you're coming up here dealing with the same dysfunction that you've been dealing with. And now it's becoming an excuse not to do the supernatural how much power do you really gotta have to do you well now that you put it that way I don't anymore that's right now the power that you have go to somebody else that they really are stuck in dysfunction and set them free lay hands on them and how do you do that you don't just pray for them Maybe that's what we need to have is a good old foot washing service. Whoo. Stinky feet. No service, no signs, no excuses. I'm almost done. Even in his last moments while rocks are raining down, talking about Stephen, he serves others. And what do I mean by that? Atlanta, he served others. Why? Because he said, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And your pain doesn't dismiss you from service. Your sickness doesn't excuse you. Your situation or your station in life doesn't keep you from serving. It's actually the only thing that drives you to serve. While the rocks are raining down, while you're being beat up, while you're being talked about, while you're being lied about, infringed upon, false accusations, lied on, piled on, cheated on, keep it coming because I'm going to keep serving. And I'm going to keep serving the one that is making up false accusations towards me. Those people that won't come to church... Because I'm preaching, when I see him in Walmart, I'm going to make it a point. Now, you can go the other direction if you want to, but I'm going to make it a point. You're going to see me, and I'm going to lock eyes with you, and you're going to lock eyes with me. And you're going to know this, that I love you. However you want to feel, you can go whatever detour and route you want to take. But you're going to know this. The love that I have is not of a worldly love. It's the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done or what I've done to you. Set all that to the side. Quit keeping score. Matter of fact, I love you. And I hope to see you enter the doors of the church once again. But you've entered the door of a church right here. In my heart, and I'm going to pray for you, man. And I hope that you pray for me too. Moments like that are going to come. Serve some tacos, man. Y'all like tacos? Raise your hand if you like tacos. I love tacos, man. Come on. That better be cooked right. Uh, get involved in handing out hot dogs for the hungry and sometimes ungrateful kids. <laughs> Just go into a high school and a middle school. You'll find that real quick. Do the task at work that others fight not to do, David. Sheep. Pick up the trash in a classroom or at work even if it wasn't you that threw it down on the ground. 
just trying to say little things that we miss at times. Pick up the trash. Serve. Do you want to be used in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to do a miracle, to impact the generation, to say a word that, I, I don't know, that won't be forgotten, to preach a sermon that won't be forgotten, that's stamped onto their hearts and sealed in their life forever? A dead dream or a dead hope, the Holy Spirit will look for you in the lunch line before he ever pushes you in the limelight. A lot of people, what they want to do, Brother Gary, is this. They want to be the ones on the 4th of July to grab the lighter and light the fireworks, but they don't want to be the ones that go up there and they lay the foundations for the fireworks to be shot. Give me the lighter. Don't give me the foundation. My question to you is, are you okay with laying the foundation, even if it means you'll never squeeze the lighter to see the fireworks shoot? Are you okay with that? Don't answer that now. Answer that for you when that timing is right, when you're faced with it. My question is this, who are you serving, who are you, and how are you putting others first? I could, I could let you off the hook and talk about the need, and I wanted to shift this for a moment, talk about the need for the Holy Spirit in service, but this morning, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is looking for you in the service tomorrow, because I keep saying service, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about, hey, buddy, what do you need, pal? Yep. What do you need, pal? I understand. I get it. You don't know me. I don't know you. It ain't no big deal. But what do you need, pal? You need a hamburger? You want a hot dog? You, you want a new pair of shoes? I don't know. Something. What do you need in your life? What, how can I help you? How can I help you have a better day? That's it, man. What are you doing? And this is it. Worship team, if y'all can, can you come to the, if you can, if this is, I don't know how y'all do that, but. This is a question that I do have for you, and this is it. What are you doing that is getting Jesus to stand up? You know how you're sitting at a football game. I'm just relating this to football. And the crowd is cheering. And if you're the Tennessee Vols, you're doing a lot of this. Brick by brick, maybe next year. Living in the hotel, Garantano, even though Garantano is probably a great kid. He's very smart. Receiving education from the University of Tennessee. So just don't get behind the center. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing going on on the field. But all of a sudden, Kyle Trask, shotgun formation, receives the snap, makes the mistake of rolling right. Nobody's open, and he takes it upon himself. And all of a sudden, Henry To'o, speaking in tongues, comes out of nowhere and ear holes him. What happens then? I can promise you this, Houston Jared will be standing up. Ho, ho, or toe, toe, whatever. Yeah. Where are we told that Jesus goes when he ascends to heaven? That's my question to you. Can anybody answer that? That's right. 
He's seated at the right hand of the Father, correct? But wait on, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. What did Stephen see? This isn't some great revelation. Maybe you've heard this before, but maybe you need to be reminded. What did Stephen see? Stephen, in the midst of being stoned, says, Look, Jesus is standing. You know what I think is happening? I think Jesus, yeah, go ahead, stood up to get a better look and was saying, hey, Dad, look at the lunch man. Dad, look at the guy that vacuums the church look at the guy that drives the tractor look at the guy that's a mechanic look at the guy that works at the co-op look at the guy that works at the bank look at the guy that look at the mom that is faithful to her husband and faithful to her kids and doesn't ask for anything and your faithfulness and your service causes the name that is above every name, the man that is above every man, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the alpha, the omega, the day spring of life, to get up off of his seat and stands and looks down there and he sees your service and your faith and your works. It's not about works, but he sees your hands getting dirty. And the only thing that, and the most important thing that you're getting out of it is somebody receiving Jesus that escaped a hell that was meant for nobody. I want that feeling to be towards somebody. Like it's meant like I'm ministering to my own sons or daughters. The same way that I feel about my kids, because if it's knocking at your door with your kids and your family, yeah. But what about the dude that's sitting out there, man? He's squandered everything. He ain't got a penny to his name, and he's thinking about beating you up just for talking about Jesus to him. Man, I don't know. Just, you know. What do we really want for Christmas this Christmas? I'm just, man. This is what I feel. We just need to stand up, and we need to come to the altars this morning, and we need to pray for the lost. That's what we need to do. We're going to pray for you. That moment's coming. But this Christmas, can we pray for the ones? And we, can we get Christmas into its proper perspective 
in order this morning and stand up and can we come to these altars and we can we pray for the lost man if it's your kid yeah sure but what about the person that nobody talks to students like what about the person that is eating lunch and they're the ones that eat lunch all by themselves man because we've we're not doing this then what are we doing man what are we doing Lord forgive us I'm asking forgiveness for where I've failed you for where my mind has been on other things other than people being one to your kingdom sure if it knocks on my door and if it has anything to do with Kaylee or Cana or Zion or Elam yeah I will you could not stop me from coming up here but what about Johnny that I've never met in my entire life does it hit like that and if it doesn't I need to do some soul searching maybe I wasn't as kingdom as I thought I was Lord and I'm here to tell you this morning Lord you know my heart but I'm here to repent and let you know openly even before these people that I've done that recently and I am sorry I'm sorry for my mistakes I'm sorry for I have failed you and I've come short I'm sorry that I've lived in dysfunction and I have allowed dysfunction to determine my next steps moments after I thought about the dysfunction that I've let a bad day define me for the rest, or I've let a bad day define me for a week when all it was was a bad day. That my mistakes does not dethrone you. Let me not forget, Lord, why you've put me on this earth. To be a great husband, no. To be a great dad, no. It fails in comparison. You've called me and you've called us to be sons and daughters. That the only thing that we desire and are consumed by, yes, we take care of our families and our churches, but Lord, to people that are in other countries, to people that if they even dared mention the name of Jesus they're in mosques and men and women and children right now are being obliterated and slaughtered right now because all they did was think about you and one page of the Bible puts their life on the line every day and we got a book forgive us Lord forgive us
good enough. To the dad that thinks that he's just a leftover, I speak right now to them. Thank you for faithful moms and thankful and faithful dads. Faithful, always on time grandparents. People watching by live stream, God, I pray that your love would begin to rush into that car, rush into that room, and then fill them with power and fill them with grace and fill them with mercy. God, I thank you for this house. Thank you for Pastor Houston and Atlanta. God, I thank you for their tenacity, the movement of your spirit and their family, for grace, for Gracie and for Tim. Lord, I thank you, God, that they are being raised up in your admonition, Lord back of the church to the front of the church Lord thank you thank you Father that the ship was battered Lord but the anchor holds of the sails you're in here this morning I don't want to take the assumption that that you're saved if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior this morning I just want to call you up and let us pray with you this morning and we want you to receive Jesus if you've never asked the Lord into your heart we're gonna take a moment for you to come up and pray and we would love to pray the sinner's prayer but it's much more than a sinner's prayer it's a prayer of life life giving not that you can keep to yourself but that you give to other people this morning if you've never received Jesus we're gonna take a moment for that
I want to release this over your life, and then I'm going to give it to Pastor Houston and let him close us out how we seem fit. But maybe some of us, we've done this, brother. I just feel the Holy Spirit's promptness in this and urgency that some of us, we feel that what we do defines who we are. That we've forgotten that first we're sons and first we're daughters, not what we do defines us. We're in Christmas, and I love Christmas.